0: Welcome back to Graphic Policy, the comics podcast for folks who love comics and deal with politics because our world has no choice but for us to do so. Um, we're being joined tonight with a special guest, Patrick Kindelon. Um Patrick is a comics writer whose credits include a decade of struggle in other artistic fields, some notoriety among people who get caught shoplifting from Whole Foods, and a few really great comics due largely to collaborations that elevate his work. His breakthrough book was We Can't Never Go Home with off writing partner and past Graphic Policy Radio guest Matthew Rosenberg and artist Josh Hood. His most recent work, There's Nothing There, with artist Marielle Lovett, ups the darkness in his earlier work to pitch black. And he's joining us on the podcast right now. Say hello, Patrick. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Um, this comic came on my radar because I give a read to pretty much everything that Black Mask Comics, which is a small uh, comics publisher, sends my way. I'll at least skim it first. And um, the first issue of There's Nothing There. Definitely caught my interest, and I, I said to Brett that we have to reach out to you guys to get you guys on the show. And the, the new issue, issue number two, is out this is out uh, this week on Tuesday, right? I'm sorry, Wednesday, right? It,
1: it is. And if I can urge everybody to pay for my yacht, please go out purchase it. Uh, you're doing a it's a good comic, and you're doing a good thing for me. Thank you.
0: I certainly agree with that. Um, so, for folks who are not familiar with the series, the promo text is as follows: celebrity socialite Reno Saletti does not believe in very much beyond Instagram comments, hipster drugs, and the flash of paparazzi cameras. So when a friend invites her to an, quote, eyes wide shut type party, she goes mostly along for the lulls. But the joke doesn't feel as funny when she realizes it's an actual occult ritual. And suddenly she's seeing things, horrifying apparitions, warning her to, quote, run, quote, There's Nothing There is a stylish and hallucinatory thriller about losing yourself in the bright lights and finding yourself at rock bottom by writer Patrick Kinlon, artist Maria Yavett, and published by Black Mask Studios. So, um, yeah, I think that's a great actual description of the uh, the comic. Um, Do you want to give our listeners a little bit of background on how this uh, came to be? Sure.
1: Uh, Now, I've listened to the podcast and, uh what i 'm about to say may m- m- may read well with your listeners or it may not uh but i 'm going to give you the honest story and, and uh you can tell me how you feel after uh, <laughs> I was in a comic book store in the south i 'm a traveling musician uh and uh i 'm o- i often just stop into whatever comic store uh is in the area and uh i don 't remember maybe charlotte uh i 'm in a comic book store and a, a young girl comes in, uh, I would say 15, maybe, and uh, she's looking for, something had motivated her, I, a film, and I don't recall which one, but uh, she came in, she was uh, totally unintimidated by comic stores, which, uh, I mean, I'm a grown, I'm a grown, last reader of comics, and I can find comic stores a little off-putting, but she, did, she was there for a purpose, and she just walked right in and said, hey, I'm... Looking for something in horror. I, I really enjoy horror, and uh, I think it's possible that iZombie Zombie uh, brought her to the store if I'm if I'm remembering correctly. Hmm. And she she was looking for she was looking for something in that lane, something that is uh, dark, uh, something that uh, relates to her as a young woman, and something that that uh, uh, is just something smart enough. You know what I mean? Just something that that grabs, and the poor comic store clerk ran around the store looking for anything to to meet those needs. You know, and you, God bless him, uh, Garth Ennis. You can't really say cro- like Crossed is a horror book, but I wouldn't suggest it to anybody but the most jaded weirdo. You know what I mean? <laughs> and 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 uh, and I'm suggesting to her uh, from hell. But from Hell is not a book that you necessarily enjoy at age fifteen. You know what I mean? You, oh, you wow. enjoy it years yeah. later. Years later, you know. And yeah. Uh, so I, it, it, the clerk is struggling. I'm struggling, and it got me thinking. You know, it might not be a popular thing at this exact time for for me, a man in my 30s now, to to be writing the perspective of uh, of a uh, of an early 20s, late teens girl, but it seems like nobody else is stepping up to the plate on this one. So, so I, I was inspired by the fact that this young woman couldn't find anything that thrilled her in a comic book store. And I thought that was so unfortunate. So I I, uh, I, I said, you know what, I, that, I'm going to write with that in mind. And, and it's uh, usually whatever comes out comes out for me. I'm not uh, a particularly planned person you've uh, You've interviewed my writing partner Matthew Rosenberg. He he really is a more planned person. He he enters, uh, he he enters uh, new ideas with strong themes that he wants to explore ahead of time. And that's really not me. I, I trip over themes. I, I I'm stumbling around in the dark. But th- this this series had purpose in the respect that I was like, wow, there's somebody who wants to engage a medium and can't find anything to their taste, and that seems impossible. <laughs> yeah. but, but it, it and, and, you know, you could suggest, you could suggest to this young woman, uh, hey, what, what, you know, these early Virgo series seem to have the the flavor that you want, but most of them you couldn't call horror. And, and if, if that's what she was looking for, it just seemed like she was uh, without a paddle. And mm-hmm. uh, so that's, that was the origin of, of There's Nothing There, which was, man, you know, at the time, I was living with a friend, who uh, super super smart woman, going for her PhD, and her guilty pleasure was those CW shows like Pretty Little Liars, and 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 those programs that are actually too complex for me, if I'm going to be honest. Like, like they're they're uh, they're all over the place, uh, and watching this hyper intelligent person connect with what I thought was kind of like, if not lowbrow, then at least uh, uh, you know, I, I I think of it as popcorn, pure popcorn, right? And mm-hmm. and uh, and but watching the way that she connected with it, in the respect that it was really relevant to her life, in that it depicted people that she identified with and could relate to, but was also far enough away from her life <laughs> that she didn't have to think about school and and that at the same time. And, and uh, it, it really, I don't know, it just motivated me. And like I said, it's uh, at this exact moment, people really want stories told by people who have that lived experience. And I, I honestly can't say that I've ever been a wealthy, wealthy 19-year-old girl. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, I can't say I've ever been wealthy to start. So I, can't, so, uh, it's, so I understand that that's what people are looking for right now, but without seeing it on the shelves, I said, you know what, uh, I'll give it a go. <laughs> and, and that's the origin of that book. And, and uh, my collaborator on this, Maria, I have been an admirer of her work for a minute. She, she does a lot of Spanish language stuff that is, you know, if, if our book together is a hard R rating, her stuff is NC 17, no question. And mm. she is, she is really fearless in her depictions of sex and sexu- sexuality. And in a, in a really motivating way, if as odd as that might sound like she, tackles these things in a way that makes them attractive but not cheap, uh, maybe a little bit lurid but not uh, – uh, it doesn't feel exploitative. It's, you know, it's It's really uh, – I thought her work was so beautiful that I wanted to find something that might be relevant to her. And at the same time, this this uh, this kind of call to appeal to a, a younger person jumped in my head. So I don't know if that makes me sound like a 200-year-old man. But
0: No, <laughs> but I, I it, think uh, – well, yeah – I think she's a perfect fit for this, you know, and I definitely I'm sure that having a a woman who follows fashion and this is clear from the back matter that I've read and is clear from the content on the page is invaluable and essential to the book actually working. Right. Because, I mean, one of the things that I complain about all the time in comics are how terribly misguided a lot of comic artists who are predominantly straight men are at drawing clothes that have anything to do fashion or have anything to do with what normal people wear so like not only do they not understand fashion they don't like when they wake up in the morning and they look on the street to see what their neighbors are wearing they don't even get that right meanwhile Maria is totally nailing it on all of those fronts Um, and I think that yeah like this is just a great collaboration from the two of you guys
1: thank you very much for saying that I'm I'm going to I'm going to agree with you and at the same time uh, offer a soft counterpoint if I can. Uh, I agree with you. There, there is no doubt <laughs> that every, every, if not every other book, we could say what eight out of ten books on the shelves represent a really narrow male perspective, right? And and, and there's no doubt in that, uh, and my only counterpoint to that and this is not to argue that we need more of it obviously it's just a thought that i had today to be honest which was whenever i see somebody who doesn't get it right i'm fascinated by their choices in failure as much as i am by sometimes by success mm. and this is and this is coming from uh, this is admittedly <laughs> coming from Somebody who does not need any further representation. So just let's just let's just acknowledge that straight away, right? Like it, it is. Uh, if somebody gets it wrong, uh, it doesn't phase me the way that it might the way that it might phase somebody who was really hoping for an accurate representation uh, of any type and doesn't mm. get it. So so totally acknowledged. But but as as on a pure craft level. I find it very interesting. The missteps as much as like, um, perhaps you saw it. There's a, there's uh, a panel going around. Uh, it must be from an Avengers book. It's going around the internet right now. And it's uh, the surest sign that your, that your book was drawn by a man. H- have you seen this? I line? haven't
0: seen that. That's like something I should see.
1: Yeah. I feel it's, it's right up your alley and it's also undeniable. <laughs> it is, uh, it's, it's, is very beautifully drawn. Uh, the, the draftsmanship is great, uh, but the angles chosen are from beneath She Hulk's butt cheeks uh, mm. a, in such a in such a way that, like, like now to me, and again, this is totally acknowledging that I am not the one hurt by misrepresentation. This is totally acknowledged. But from from when I see that, I I now thinking about thinking about matters of getting it right, I say, oh, that was a definite misstep. Isn't that kind of interesting that that wouldn't get caught? But, again, I understand that. That's
0: that's why it didn't get caught. I don't care. So I would just say, having not seen this graphic, I would also just say that, like, I am not anti-butt shots, but they should be butt shots in a context in which they make sense, right? Like, there's so many just completely inappropriate butt shots. And also butt shots of characters for whom the butt shot is inappropriate. But butt shot can be good in certain contexts. But, like, why is, your, why is there a butt shot in the courtroom? Like, why is a woman lawyer in a court scene wearing a skirt that women who are lawyers in court don't, don't wear as lawyers? You know, or, like, why is, a, why is a 15-year-old being objectified in this graphic? You know, why is somebody who's crying over the death of a child, why is their butt hanging out, etc. In a different context in the story the butt shot could be completely reasonable and, I mean, so it's really a question of context, right? Like, well, and just you know, it's, it's, like, you know, like wh- like, wh- why is this happening in this scene? Are you using this shot to just show that the only way you relate to female language is all them? Or is there a storytelling aspect of, like, you know, we're trying to look at this as a cinematic moment because of different specific reasons to the story? That's that be my point. I, I fall... I, okay
1: so so my partner my my romantic partner is is a uh uh comparative literature uh uh student yeah that that's that's her passion that's what she wants to continue for the foreseeable future she loves that so much and and uh we argue so much because so much so much of of that uh course of study is finding meaning or or applying lenses uh you know theoretical criticisms to the things that, uh, a, as a creator, I can say, are often, totally, just oversights on our part. Mm. you know, you know what I mean, our total, our total blind spots. And uh, so she and I clash on that in a, you know, in a as as couple in a way. And uh, I have, I have so, I have like a, I have a different perspective than you on this matter, which is, I am actually. Totally for the utterly absurd, the uh, the, the totally uh, contextless. But I'm 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 pro. I just <laughs> think the misfortune. I think the misfortune is that there's not enough of the other thing. I think right. the, the context, the context-free but is perfect. Like because you know there's these creators that we don't need to name their names, but there's these creators that they continue to do the same thing, and we continue to wonder why they. They quote unquote can't get it right, and I mean from the uh, from representation standpoint, from the uh, depiction, like a, a charitable depiction standpoint, and, and we just keep looking at them and being like, damn, it's, it seems impossible that somebody could get it wrong. But what I've come to understand is, oh, that is this person's lane. That is this person's milieu. Uh-huh. That is this per- and and it, there's nothing inherently wrong with that unless that, that's what's dominating the shelves. If that's what's dominating the shelves, then the biggest frustration, I think, to probably 90% of your guests, regardless of where they fall on, on, on matters like this, is that it is deeply frustrating that there's people that go their entire lives not having a real moving experience with sequential art because mm-hmm. they, they go to a comic shop they seek out they look for the experience and then they look on the shelves and it is there's only two colors <laughs> you know what i mean there's there's uh there's the butts uh and then there's the near butts, and that's it <laughs> and and uh that is the misfortune to me it's not i uh, you know some of these fellas <laughs> i i'm not I'm not looking to uh exonerate myself here but but I, I I often think <laughs> that, that I am o- emotionally arrested at 22. You know what I mean? Like this 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 crosses my mind every once in a while. I have so many of the same interests that I did at 22. Mm. I struggle I struggle with so many of the same things. And if there's growth in me, it is really small increments. And I I think about the other creators who might. Suffer that even more than I do. <laughs> you know, like they might be at a halt. Like you and I can talk off air about guys who don't seem to have made an inch of, of narrative progress, emotional progress. It, 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 their work is arrested development, and, and and to me that is
0: fascinating
1: and also totally sad when it is 75% of the market so, so yeah, that, that totally. is my, that's my perspective on that
0: yeah i mean i think one of the things that's good about what you're bringing to the shelves is exactly what you described about going into the store right if you didn't see a book that fit that niche yet so you did it i mean i think one of the reasons why this comic worked for me and you know granted i'm not I, i'm not 19 either so i can't speak to that right but um right. you're not looking like it would be so easy and maybe I'm reading this differently than you're writing it, but it would be so easy for your protagonist, Reno, to just be a mockery who you're looking down on, but you're not doing that at all. You're writing her as a flawed character who's interesting and funny and says stuff that's dumb sometimes, but that's not because she's dumb. It's because the whole world's dumb. You know, she says oh, stuff. It- yes. Yeah.
1: It sounds like it sounds like you got exactly what I was shooting for, which is the the, the tightrope walk of the thing, which is that yeah, that, that that's a ridiculous that is a ridiculous world, and these you know these these characters are in some ways totally laughable, but if I was doing my job at all, they also seem like human beings, yeah. and it, it, you just paid me the highest compliment because that's that that's the anxiety that I had is. And you know M- Matt Pozzolo, who you might know at Black Mask. It, when I pitched this idea to him, he said his first response was, that, no, there's nothing clever about picking on the rich." And you know what I mean? Like you, you, you've got to you've got to have an angle to to make it relevant satire, to to make it uh, uh, cutting in some sort of way. And I I said, "Hold on," he didn't let me finish. She's not bad. There's nothing. This is just this is like so many women that I know. She just happens to be wealthy and. And there's a whole set of problems and a whole set of uh, kind of myopic worldview that comes with wealth. But this is not to ridicule, (laughs) you know what I mean? Uh is not to take an easy – if if the joke – if there's a joke on the people, on the characters in this book, it's also uh, – it's firing back at the audience at the same time, you know what I mean? The reader is also uh, taking shrapnel. Uh, on the joke, and, and I think that mm-hmm. that's, uh, and you know, not not to spoil anything, but what's fascinating is to me uh, 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 on a craft level is that by the end of this series, I feel like like my anxiety is is that I have done Reno a disservice, done the lead a disservice, because I, towards the end, the Celia character really re- really seems to be more. More than just the voice of reason seems to have, uh, you know, usurped uh, Reno's lead in some sort of way, because I, maybe my family as a writer, like I felt like I was in dangerous territory of being too condescending, and and, and, I, and I that's you really thank you so much for that compliment because not not it seems bizarre that I would say I'm punching down at wealthy socialites because certainly, right but certainly it wouldn't not. be the wealth that <laughs> <it> would
2: be <laughs> punching
0: down on right it would be the youthfulness and the femaleness that would be getting punched down on and yeah I don't sense that and I it was certainly something I was on the I was on the lookout for in reading it Um, but it's just not it's just not um something Fact, that I felt what I yeah. yeah yeah That's exactly right. yeah I I enjoyed well, I enjoy like Moments that she has with her friend who's a fashion designer, um, and sort of like the fact that that character has her own voice and spunk as well. Um, and yeah, like you know, Reno is funny and she says things that are funny, so she's not just subject of humor, she's also a source of humor because she's funny, that she says things that are funny as well, which I think is partially why that works for me. Thank you. Uh, uh, and let's also I,
1: I think to your point let, let, let's let's address like like an even larger elephant in that room, which is that, as a man in my thirties, if I was writing a if I was writing a 19 uh, year old girl character and you know, t- taking shots occasionally, that might even be passable, but robbing her of her agency at any point would be unacceptable. <laughs> you know what I mean? The, uh, and that's the part that I'd be curious because I'm I'm really, to be frank with you, I, I I've been a musician my adult life. I'm available to criticism at all times because it just comes at all times. So when you finish the series, you can let me know if I failed in my task of, uh, of uh, you know I, I won't take it personal, but I I I think Maria and I nailed it because I got to say Maria is is a good. Is, is a good uh, check on, on mm-hmm. my, my potentially idiot behavior. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? And because, she'll ask, she'll say, uh, you know, is, uh, am I reading this depiction, right? You know what I mean? Is this, is this how, is this how we wanted to go? And I'll, and I'll reflect, I'll, and I'll say, you know, because the other issue, uh, maybe this is elephant in the room number three is, uh is, Sexuality—the sexuality of a 19-year-old girl. and Me writing as a 30-year-old. That there's there's some elements there that are uh, a potential pitfalls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and uh, that, that uh, you can tell me at the end if I navigated those those waters. Uh, uh, I'm sure because you know we got a we got a really nice write-up. Um, I, I think it was from Teen Vogue uh, about uh, you know kind kind of a. a An LGBT uh, uh, angle to the book, but Mm -hmm. that's that's only um, it's only half intentional. It's uh, you know later in the series, Reno has straight sex in a way that I think some readers might an issue with. You know, (laughs) they might quibble Mm -hmm. with it, and uh, I I think that between Maria and I, we depicted it in in the most appropriate. The, the, I think we captured the moment of of, of somebody that is that, that is in a very strange space in their life. But I also expect, you know, may, maybe some people won't feel that way. <laughs> so uh, please do let me know. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, like I say, I'm not particularly. The, 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 I, I think that uh, some of these fellows out there that uh, uh get really sensitive about like I, maybe you saw this. I'm gonna I'm gonna tangent out for a second. Uh, mm-hmm. It seemed like co- comic book creators were some of the last people to get Twitter, <laughs> and, and as a result, they really struggled for the first. Year. I mean, this is not to pick on the guy because I have a total amount of respect for his work, and but I think Dan Slott, for a long time, the, the Spider-Man writer, was like kind of did not know how to do that. And, and, and who can really blame him? He's probably a 40-year-old man that that got onto Twitter like four years ago, and and was you know he, he was used to well, maybe. Well, well many but, people
0: have pointed out that like Marvel and DC like really do have an imperative to like be like a large for-profit and non-for-profit organizations are and actually train their staff in how to interact on social media. But um, but I hear you on that. Um, well. It, 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 so
1: I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to defend some of the – because I, uh, firstly, I'm going to take accountability in that I, I will get really rough on somebody that enters my space with w- what feels like purely, purely bad intentions. If you, if, you, if you come to me with, hey, I have a question about your work, I may or may not answer it, but I'm definitely going to treat you respectfully. If you come into my space with uh, with with open hostility and seemingly uh, like an immutable agenda, something that you are convinced you are like, uh, so this is not me. This is please don't misunderstand me. This is not me attacking you, but I I listened to to the graphic policy uh, episode regarding uh, secret empire, and I was really fascinated by by all your takes on it. Not because I thought you were all necessarily wrong about anything. But because I I really felt like uh, Nick it's Nick Spencer yeah uh, uh-huh. it, it, I thought I thought that on occasion you were doing Nick Spencer the disservice not you in particular but but, but the show was doing Nick Spencer in particular uh, the the uh, the disservice of assuming his motives and I thought that that was that's like a thing that I struggle with and this is me revealing a vulnerability so if somebody's listening to this and wants to attack me online now they know now they know how to get me. But, but assuming assuming my motivations puts me in a space where I become really confrontational. So, like, I, I understand, like, because I'm like the sort of dude that, again, I take so much criticism that I am pretty good with it. I, you know, I also come from a large family where criticism is just the, the norm. But the, uh, so I'm good with it. But sometimes when, when people when people assume the worst about someone that they don't know, that can put me in a space when somebody does that to me. So I'm, I'm sympathetic to the Dan Slots of the world who struggled for the first couple of years on Twitter with people coming in and being like, you hate Peter Parker. You know I mean? This well, is, <laughs> this is, that's this very is your liberal. That's very well, different. See, see it, it, it is and it isn't. And, and, and let, me, let me explain if I can. Um, now, we have a tendency to look at politics And and particularly politics, as uh, practical politics, as they relate to uh, the way that somebody's going to have to go through their life. And we see, for reasons that are totally valid, we say, "Hey, we can't compare that to this other thing." But uh, perception is reality in so many ways. And for some people, I'm not suggesting this is a healthy way to go through life, but for but for some people, the way that they identify with characters, the way that they identify with, with uh, uh, scenes, the way that they identify, th- their connection to literature. In, and again, this is, we're, talking about, we're talking about corporate comics, so I understand that people don't want to give it literature. I, I get that. But like those people that come in, and with that, the same intensity that you see somebody attack uh, somebody for a political belief, when they come with that same intensity, it can, it can feel, and again, I'm not suggesting for a second, please don't misunderstand me, I'm not suggesting that uh, writing Nick Spencer or questioning Nick Spencer for uh, Se- Secret Empire coming out at a time uh, that seems uh, perhaps politically uh, uh, a total misstep uh, or, or ill-timed, I think that that's a, a conversation worth having. I really do. But what I'm saying is that from the creator perspective, Uh, it can often feel the same intensity in the same way. And uh, as what we, you and I might call some nutty people. And what that does is it creates white noise and makes Mm -hmm. people's guard go up. Like, you know, like, right. Yeah. They
0: they can't tell the difference. And I definitely heard this from other folks in the industry, like that they are so used to having guys complaining about they don't like that Ben Riley is Peter Parker that they can't hear the difference between I don't like Ben Riley as Peter Parker versus you are presenting trans panic as an actual immediate safety to trans women like they can't hear that difference because they've learned to dismiss the Ben Riley Spider Man as like background bullshit noise I mean and like I get where that's coming from but we ha- they have to move past that and we're giving them plenty of opportunity to do so now.
1: But, and and I think they're getting better. I really do. I, and maybe you don't experience that on a on a one to one. But 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 I'm seeing it more broadly. It's just that I think that what you just said is perfectly valid. The, the The other thing that we're not addressing is that somebody who might have that same perspective that you just that you just voiced, which is a totally valid criticism that we can talk about. And and, and th- if the creator chooses to, he can engage and say, "Hey, okay, let me explain myself," or, or wh- whatever. Those are those are valid. But at the same moment that you are presenting that that critique, somebody is also offering that same critique while using ad hominem attacks on on the creator. So yeah, that sucks. You are, well, but what I'm saying is that like. I, I think ultimately we're saying the same thing, which is that this is an unfortunate thing that people need to work past. But as I just got to say, like if if I opened my inbox and 250 people were calling me a Nazi, which I got to jump in on this. A lot of the Marvel staff, when they heard that, they, they you know, the, the, there's not that you, I mean, we're in a weird time where perhaps you, perhaps you could be, uh, 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 you could be Jewish and 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 have what you and I would call alt right sympathies or whatever. We're in a very strange time, but there's plenty of people working at Marvel who are Jewish, and and when they saw that their co- colleague was being accused of being a Nazi 200 times a day, it it really shook them. And y- you'll this is and this is weird because I don't work at Marvel. This is not like my I, I'm not trying to die on a hill here. I, I'm just saying that like it is. The, if you have a valid point, and Nick Spencer has a counterpoint, or, or 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 a point that he believes is valid, you're both getting lost in a din of people that are screaming the word Nazi at Nick Spencer. Which we can say a lot of things about Nick Spencer if we chose to. Nazi is not an accurate appraisal, you know. <laughs> so it's like, so I, I am perfectly, I'm perfectly. It, agreeing with you uh, on the fact that, like, it would be so nice if creators could parse the nonsense for, from the valid criticisms and engage with those valid criticisms. But I am playing a bit of devil's advocate by saying it is very hard.
0: Well, <laughs> you, know, you know, but the is. thing is, we're subject to this. We're, we're subject to this as well in other aspects of our work. I mean, the amount of insane stuff that I receive from. Nazis, generally speaking, um, on social media, as well as like anti-immigrant folks, you know, like trying to call through the amount of online hate that I get versus, you know, people responding to things that are, uh, you know, valid feedback or raising things that maybe I should consider or think about differently. Like it's something that I, that I, I deal with as well. Um, and that's, that's part of the labor of our work, you know. I mean, and, and I don't have a corporation, like, backing me up to, to like, look out but, for any of those interests in those ways.
1: Do, do you ever shut down, though? Because I, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I wouldn't blame you for a second if you didn't. <laughs> you know I mean? if, if, I, if I were you and I opened my inbox and somebody was spitting vitriolic misogyny at me for, for just expressing an opinion on, uh, on my radio program, uh, it, I, I'd probably just shut down. I'd be like, okay, listen here, you SOB, you blah, blah, blah. And, and then I would say, you know, you're muted. Uh, go scream into the void. Uh, <laughs> like, and, and it would be, like, I'm saying that, I guess what I'm ultimately saying is I might not be built for the discourse right now because mm-hmm. when people scream at, when people scream at me, like, I have a childish response that is not corporate, that is that is not professional, and, and through the other lens, through, through through your vantage, like and your experience, is not constructive. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like like, you would say, "Hey, I don't have a corporation. I'm not beholden to that." But you're a passionate person about the things about the things that you, you care about in this medium, and you want the conversation to be constructive, and. I might lack both professionalism and, and the ability to be constructive when somebody comes at me with a certain angle that I feel is unfair. And, and I, so I guess I'm just projecting right now. But but I I feel some of the dance slots of the world when they just go dark, or, or or when they say, or when they have to make a joke out of everything. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. like I,
0: I feel that. I mean I think removing themselves from the conversation would certainly be preferable to what. A lot of folks have, well, have I,
1: done. Well, I, I, get that. I get, yeah, I get that. Right now, we're seeing Nick Spencer as antagonistic. Uh, I, I get that. But in, in defense of him, a guy that I've never met uh-huh. and have read three of his books, uh, he, he, he obviously feels passionate. And if I could point out something that I don't, uh, maybe you guys even mentioned it on the podcast, he is a classical. He is. He is a lib, a liberal in the 1970s through, 19 or two, through 2000 model. And he is a classic that, so far as we can tell, based on everything he's given us. And that is out of sync with what a lot of people feel passionately about right now. And the thing is, is that when I read his tweets, and I've I at times muted him too, because I struggle with some of the, like, it does feel antagonistic. But I think he, Jen like, now I'm giving him motives. <laughs> I think he genuinely uh-huh. feel, feels like he's coming from a place of, hey, these are the values that, that I actually think are good. Like I, I'm, I'm a classical liberal that, that, that uh, like you I don't think he would identify as a, as a leftist at all. He's just like, I'm a classical liberal. I think that society operates best this way, and I think we make incremental change towards a progress that even the staunchest leftists would believe is. Is uh, the, the right direction. I just think that I, I just think that it's it's unfortunately it's baby steps. It's not revolution. Well, you know, I would and, certainly
0: encourage him if he wanted to come on. You know, that th- that would be a fine conversation to have. But I do think it's a little bit for us to try to have a debate over like his beliefs or uh, or well, or, yeah, or it's, it's
1: inappropriate for you know? for me to be for me to be sitting here guessing. I, I I'm I'm just uh, it just seems like. Yeah, I, sorry to interrupt you, but it, it, it just seems like the, uh, the conversation so much in comics right now is uh, not between necessarily enemies, but between really really intense versions, the really intense same spe- – like if there's a side to the spectrum, uh, it, the side seems to be at, at, at odds with itself instead of attacking what you might call like the other side. You know, I mean, well, I, I think and, that,
0: yeah, I think that that's pretty reductive way of looking at the struggle and crisis that people find themselves in. But I understand that people who are coming from his perspective don't understand or relate to the experiences that we're experiencing. So they don't understand well, why it feels different to us.
1: Totally valid point. I I, I argued uh, about a year ago uh, a really, a really intense dude that I've met in person a number of times. It uh, started a conversation on race with me, and I forget what it was. It was something, something. It might have been, uh, might have been one of our shootings, like a racially motivated shooting in the U.S. And I was arguing moderate white guy side, and didn't know hmm. that. Didn't it had a full argument, not knowing until the very last thing that came out of my mouth when you or out of my fingers as it is, uh, hmm. when when you ca- when you catch yourself proving the other person's point. <laughs> when, when you say, "Oh, oh, I'm able to ask you to to be more patient because I'm not in any danger at all," <laughs> oh, yeah. oh right. and and but the, but the thing is, like as you said, uh, that's a place that's that's a conversation uh, that requires it maybe requires conversation. I, and I again, this is it's totally weird that I would. Come barking on you for Nick Spencer because I don't know the man at all. But but <laughs> I just it, but but it, it got me thinking when I listened to that podcast. I was thinking, you know, uh, Nick. So far as I can tell, Mr. Spencer, because I don't know him. <laughs> so far as I can tell, is like ninety percent of the people that I've met in corporate comics who are well intentioned, who are what we would have considered great allies ten years ago, and but at the moment it's just like maybe they feel a little bit out of sync. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and I, so I'm inclined to defend them because I can see that perspective. But you raise a very good point. I can see that perspective because I likewise am not, I'm not on the chopping block in the way that sometimes people of color are, or women or, or trans people. So, well, I, you know, I, mean, I would
0: just say real quick that I think that, you know, your value in those situations is much more to be able to communicate with the men who are in those positions to help them understand where we're coming from than necessarily to plea for, you know, uh, patience, perhaps on the Mm -hmm. part of those who are on the last of our string. But um, I do think that you would be a good person to speak with them, certainly, because you're definitely seeing what they're not on that. But I also just want to give a moment to say that my co-host, Brett, is now joining us. He just escaped from a movie that I believe he just DM'd me about how the movie may have been "quote unquote" a turd. "Quote." So, I'm uh, Brett. Do you want to <laughs> do you want to say hello real quick? And ex- what what is it that we should avoid seeing now that you've warned us? Oh wait, I don't think I put your voice on the show. You're probably no. I added you. Okay, you're not on mute. Are you on mute? He might be on mute. Oh shoot, You might be on mute. Um, sorry, one second. We can't hear you. This is such a high-end production we're dealing with right now, my friends. Um, <laughs> well, anyway, um, I do want to make sure that, like, we have time to talk about the comic itself, which is, you know, sure. I think we, we try to make a point of elevating independent work on the show because there just isn't really a great way for folks to know what else is out there, and to try something different otherwise. Um, I actually came here not actually having read, I know this is completely shocking, not having read, uh, Brett's going to try and call him again, not having read, um, uh, wow, uh, the name of your comic, which like everybody freaking reads. Um, Oh, we can never go home. Thank you, We Can Never Go Home, in spite of the fact that I'm completely obsessed with Four Kids Walk Into a Bank. I just haven't had a chance to read We Can Never Go Home. Um, So I really did just pick this up. Okay, we're going to let Brett in. Um, Brett, are you – Brett, you're there? This works. Brett is here, yes. Brett has has definitely been a big champion of We Can Never Go Home, by the way. I would just say that. But Brett, what was this amazing movie that you've just escaped from?
2: The New Transformers, which was two hours and 45 minutes of life-sucking – I, I saw it for free and I still want my money back.
0: Oh man, everyone is dumber as a result of this cultural product. Is that, is I, that a takeaway? I think that
2: was it too high a praise.
1: <laughs> you, will, you will find no stronger advocate for lowbrow than me. And I can't watch those movies. You
2: know? well, so what's weird is, uh, you know, I, I I I praise it to Alana a lot. Is the the comic series is really uh-huh. really smart and fantastic. That. Like there is some I've of the this. yeah some of the best political philosophy is being debated in Transformers. Like it is impressive. <laughs> Clearly, the people I, that involved I, in this. I did not know. Well, so yeah, so there's I forgot how many years ago it was like uh, five years ago. Lana would tell you when I started going off the Transformers like yeah. There's a there's two comic and the entire comic is just uh, Optimus and Megatron basically debating back and forth about their philosophies and um, the difference between terrorism and revolutionary. It's it's really really smart and it kind of goes into like this treatise that Megatron wrote and like I was shocked to find this in a Transformers comic. Really smart writing. Clearly, whoever was behind this film and I I need to go look that up has never read any of the comic. <laughs> yeah, I
1: I, I, uh, I I my criticism of them is even more. Uh, based than that. it's. I saw the first one in like 2008 or whatever it was and it looked like a bunch of weird tin foil moving around really fast and it gave me a yeah. an headache and since then I have said I have no <laughs> no need for Transformers. I'd sooner listen to a Transformer audio, like BBC audio play than I would watch those weird pieces of metal move around really fast. It's like it really actually kind of made me nauseous, to be honest. It's just a weird, uh, maybe it, I could be the only one, but it's...
2: No, that... this was in IMAX and in 3D, and there was points where I was, I was kind of, it was getting to me. And I've, that's the first time I've ever experienced that in a film. So mm. I don't know what was up. It's, uh, it, it it, might be one of the worst films I've ever seen. And I've seen some wow. really <laughs> bad films. <laughs> but it's still going to do three quarters of a million dollars. I guarantee you that one. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, uh, I'm sorry.
1: Oh, we were talking about uh, uh, We Can Never Go Home before. Uh, I I just wanted to say, uh, you're a big fan of of, of Four Kids Walking uh, walking to a Bank. Uh, If I could big up my writing partner for a second, how good is that book?
2: It's a really good good book. It's amazing.
1: (laughs) Really good. Like, I I honestly think Matt Matt does good work. Matt's Matt's a good writer, but I I really like uh, on that book in particular. I think being able to fully do your voice is such a benefit, I, I, and obviously Tyler is is killing it, like making that a reality. But it is uh, I really felt like damn, this first issue. I was like, this is a wildly impressive first issue that I hope it gets some eyes on it because uh, I don't see how you couldn't come back. That's me big being my partner, but I also definitely actually feel that. <laughs> <laughs> I actually think it's a great book because I can be critical of the books of his that I don't think are killing it, and that book is killing it.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, the, the great on, on that series is it really feels um, like people you know. Like these, these were kids yeah. I knew in, in school. Um, and something I loved and, and we can never go home. I kind of got that vibe a little bit too. Like there was something about, you know, the, the two main characters that were really relatable um, with, with Madison and Duncan and, and, you know, their, their types and kind of how do they interacted and all that? Like, is that, you know, working together, working with Matt uh, on that series, you know, how much is that his voice, your voice, like what was I, it, I, a I give,
1: I give that I give that all to him as uh, because th- those characters. I, I don't know if he discussed this on, uh, on the show when he was on. Uh, th- that is his lived experience in so far as, as the not science, not science fiction elements, not crime <laughs> elements, but the <laughs> the the, 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 uh, the actual human to human. And pardon me, my upstate New York accent comes out when I attempt to say. He's human, uh, the uh, uh, that 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 exchange, that that, uh, the, that personal exchange between um, somebody who doesn't get it, and, and 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 this kind of force of nature, uh, uh, other character is that the that the that the person who doesn't get it has romantic inclinations towards that is Matt's lived experience. He he has a really, maybe he could talk to you about it sometimes he, he has, he has like a somewhat tragic experience in his past. And I don't mean kind of, uh, I, I'm not paying, I hope I'm not painting him out as unrequited love guy. It's not like that. It's, it's uh it's, he had a romantic partner that uh he thought he could help in the way that, that children or, 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 or misinformed people believe that they can help other people. And, and uh, that's and, and it took a long time for him to realize like oh I'm I'm not equipped to do this and I've also been pres- presumptive <laughs> I've been presumptuous in thinking that I could or that this person wanted that or that I have a right to just kind of impart it and uh, that's why that feels so like the core of that book because uh, uh, when I when I describe it to people I say you could call it light superhero or you could call it light science fiction or whatever but but what it's about is these to human beings, and I, I give that entirely to Matt because my role on that book was much more on the practical level of, hey, is this stupid? Mm. Yes, Matt, that's stupid. Don't do that. Do it the other way. <laughs> <laughs> <Important>. <laughs> hey, <laughs> is this stupid? Give uh, my God. No, that's <laughs> – so So that sort of really – that that character to character – I give every ounce of that to Matt. So, so when people praise that book, they, in my experience, they are praising a uh, you can't call it romantic. I don't know, I don't know what to call that. A, a, a layered, uh, more complex than what we typically see in five issue series. Uh, that relationship is from Matt's learned life and from his experience, and and I
2: think he. Uh, he transcribed that really really well How did you actually get into creating comics so
1: uh, i i 'm a musician and matt and and his partner uh uh his business partner but also uh, his his romantic partner of over a decade they, they ran a record, Claire, they they ran a, a, a record label together and uh matt and Claire approached me and said, would you like to do a, a record? And we started talking about it, uh, and we never ended up doing a record together. We ended up starting a 10-year career in comic books. So, so uh, and it was, it was one day, and I actually, I have a terrible memory, but I remember exactly where I was. Uh, Matt called me up and said, hey, I know this is your interest too. Uh, I know that this is what you're trying to get done but you and I are both not taking steps individually to get it done, do you want to make sure that we are constantly handing the other person the baton to, 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 to make sure that the other person is always running? And I, and I said, yeah, let's do that. Let, let's see if we can't cut the 10-year, um, like, kind of paying your dues. Let's see if we can't shave a couple of years off of that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because like, we're both getting older. So, so, like, we're starting late by comparison to a lot of our peers. We know guys – who started aggressively uh, pursuing their career in comics at age 22. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and Matt and I were six years older than that. Was, we were like a ready-to-be 30-year-old, basically. <laughs> and, and, uh, and so uh, that is how that started. It just came from a, uh, hey, if, if, if we're always working, uh, we are always motivating the other person to work as well. You want to do it? And I said, yeah, absolutely, let's do that um so uh that's that's how it started and uh, we have a ton of work that just exists in the ether right now that is just all like to me fascinating i i'm a process guy i don't care like this is a, this is not the thing to say to any potential publisher listening right now but my interest in art is process, and I, I, like, I like fumbling. I, I like errors, because it's just fascinating to me. <laughs> and uh, Matt and I have a body of work that has never seen the daylight, <laughs> because it is, uh, <laughs> it, it, it is uh, all process stuff. And uh, it, that is, uh, you know, and, and now Matt has, like, really, like, uh, you know, like the, the Marvel readers are connecting with a lot of his work. And uh, it is—it's kind of like one of those really nice things when a plan. Or you know when Hannibal from the A Team says, "I love it when a plan comes together." <laughs> it's, it's a bit like that.
2: What is it like? What part of the process do you enjoy? Like I—I helped put together one comic, and it was a really interesting experience. But for you, what's something that you you particularly like about it?
1: So, uh as a musician I like the stuff that other people don't like which is I like the problem solving element I like that it is hmm. always a different uh, always a different hassle uh, because I I have I'm a ter- I'm, I've been singing since I was a kid and I have a terrible voice and the the only the only way like I can only reproduce two notes so for me to try to 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 create kind of challenging interesting music with you know maybe maybe a third of the, uh, uh, of what people have is frustrating at times but like really like a life affirming uh, uh, kind of uh, problem solving and, and uh, exercise and that's how I feel about comics uh, for me uh issue five or or in, in so for example there's nothing there uh, this volume concludes with issue five and I wrote it not too long ago and it came in a wave of pure mania, so which is totally odd for me. That's not how I write. And it was so interesting from a problem-solving-slash-process-slash-kind-of-just-craft slash, uh, uh, experience that, oh, I'm going to see the results of this incredibly strange, like, writing, like, you know, like eight pages at a time, <laughs> you know, like, just, like, like, my brain functioning on the, uh, I've been, I must have been mainlining Yerba Mate or something because I I was moving super fat. And that, and that I cannot wait to see on paper. That is the joy of comics right there. That is, because if I messed up. Like the, By the end of that book, by the end of that series, there are so many threads to tie together. It's basically my favorite type of story where everybody at the end, maybe I watched Cannonball Run too many times as a kid. Everybody is going to the same place. And that is really hard to depict in, in 32 pages or 20 pages, or, God forbid, 22. Because you, if, if I have six parties going to the same location, The idea that I wouldn't mess that up somehow is crazy. And I'm so curious for the flaws that I find (laughs) when I read the thing and say, ah, (laughs) what would I have done differently? That is like, you know, and not everybody, some people feel really bad if they create bad work, but uh, I'm confident it's not bad work. And with that confidence, it's kind of like, oh, I'm going to see every place. I'm gonna. I'm gonna see every wart. I'm going to see, and and that is, that's really interesting to me. So that's part, that's part of my joy in comics is, like, I don't I don't perseverate on things. I don't, uh, you know, if if there are any ugly warts, to me they'll be beautiful. It'll be like if I had a daughter with ugly warts, she would be beautiful to me. You, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? So so, so I'm fine with that. But. Uh, it will be fascinating regardless, and that's something that that's a part of the creative process. I've put out maybe 40 records, and some of them have songs that would b- bleach your hair; they're so bad. And and that <laughs> and that is that is fascinating to me years later to be like, where was my head at? That's so interesting. Or the times that I hit it out of the park and had no idea at the time that I was doing something that followed. Like that is that's stuff that you and uh, sorry, Brett, you missed like a, a spirited uh, Nick Spencer talk. Uh, which is yeah. <laughs> probably for the better. <laughs> which, to, which which I have to apologize apologize for. But uh, that's that's kind of another space that I was I was interested in in the in the podcast and the radio show's uh, uh, take on Nick Spencer is for me personally, I have been on stage two years after writing a song and I'm performing a song and it'll get to the bridge and I will realize what that song is about for the first time. Mm. And that is super, that's like to me one of the most edifying human experiences that I have. And I, in comics, you can trip over that as well. (laughs) And, And I, I really love that part. Like where, Oh, I didn't know. Like, I, I thought I knew what this was about. Or I was just expressing myself in the broadest way possible, where I was just, whatever was coming into my mind, I was pushing out to the world because, the, uh, you know, like I'm a, I'm a little baby artist that needs to, needs to constantly be pushing. You know, you know what I mean? Like, and, and then you find out, oh, oh, <laughs> what was it? The lens that I didn't even know I had two years ago. There it is. You know, that is so cool. So, sorry, the, if just, uh, on, <laughs> sorry if I just lectured.
0: I'm sorry on that. It's interesting. It's so, an interesting uh, comparison. You,
2: yeah. Yeah. With with you creating music and and also comics, so t- two questions on that is one, the creation process, like how does it differ? How is it similar to you? And the other would be is, if you're interacting with fans and how they consume each different media, like how do you see that as the as a creator? Uh,
1: well, I I would say music. I, I actually, I'm going to spoil some back matter for a future issue here. I think because I, I, I reflected on this recently, where mu- music uh, music prepared me for collaboration in, in a way that maybe some maybe some comic creators struggle with. You know, you know, like I, I uh, having to manage so many different personalities with, even though we have a shared uh, there's a shared thrust to a band's work. People have different sensibilities, you know, like ev- everybody brings an individual sensibility to a thing and making that work is a, a word that people sometimes don't like. It's a matter of compromise. You, you know what I mean? It's like what, what serves the work, <laughs> what is going to make the work the best and managing different sensibilities to make the work the best I- I- instead of your part the best is like the, the, the struggle of young bands, and then when they dial that in, they become good bands. And I, I think that that's what fascinated... That part of collaboration continues to fascinate me and I think prepared me fairly well for comics. I, it, that part I'm, I'm pretty all right at. Uh, the, the part that it did not prepare me for is that the type of music that I've been interested in since the time I was 15 was music that makes no money. And now, and so in, in that capacity, I've been able to behave any way I want. I'm, before I got on this podcast, my girl said, please, you're trying to have a career. Don't do that thing. And I said, what thing? <laughs> and she said, that thing where you play devil's advocate or, 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 or you have your well-intentioned nonsense where you want people to think about things and you say things like an a-hole and everybody hates you. And, and I said, well, I didn't know everybody hated me, my baby. We're gonna to have to we're gonna to have to talk about this later. But but the 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 point is true: is that I've had the flexibility, the latitude to speak however I want to whoever I want. I don't need a career in music when people when I feel people are uh, uh, being disrespectful. I'll, I I can serve it right back, and I can uh, and that is that has ill prepared me for a any career (laughs) and and B, certainly one as political as comics because I'm sure that there's a lot of aspiring creators uh, uh, listening to this radio. I've never experienced uh, sort of corporate or or career politics and I worked in marketing. I've had plenty of straight jobs and I've never seen politics like comics and I, I don't mean the politics that you guys address on on the show. I mean, you know, office politics like that.
0: I've mm-hmm. never seen
1: it like that. And I was totally, totally ill-prepared <laughs> because I, as a musician, I'll, I, like, listen, I know that, I know that this is not the lane that you guys occupy and I respect that as a musician, I'll straight up just offer to fight somebody. You know what I mean? I'll, I'll say, okay, man, you know what I mean? I'll see you on the street. You know what I mean? But I, I, as a, as a professional, yeah, it, you can't do that. <laughs> so, And that has been, that has been honestly the biggest struggle in my professional life because uh, the comics part is such a joy. I, I, I goddamn love, I love it. I, I got some new pages from, from the next black mask series uh, that we'll announce probably maybe in October. And I, uh, I just got some new pages, and, and I was, it, it was thrilled in the same way that I was the first time that that happened. I, I, that part, and I'm getting better at writing, that part is just so fun. And, but the part that I really fail at and I, and I struggle with and I take full accountability for, no excuses, is the sort of networking, the the, the, the peer-to-peer, uh, the, the, that stuff, I was, I was not built for for or I didn't have the background. It might be a, so. I'm not trying to just prescribe that I have no future because I am built a certain way. But I do not have that background to help me, <laughs> and and that is that is a comic book thing that I. That, so it it has prepared me in some ways, and also has now uh, adapted me in some ways. Okay.
2: So it's a, it's a good way to kind of wrap things begin to wrap things up. Uh, I guess the one final question would be, out of out of working in comics and, and really coming out you know as an outsider into it, what is like the biggest lesson that you've learned, and what advice would you give to other people who want to get into it?
1: Purely practical matter, create short work until you're good. No. Uh, that, that, that is the most nuts and bolts. Thing that I could ever give anybody, but it, because I, I'm sure you guys encounter this people with really big ambitions, uh, and those are beautiful, and I support them. They're not the thing to do out the gate, and I, and honestly, I say this only as a craftsperson, not a successful comic creator, because you know I I, I make I make a pittance. I I'm not a successful comic creator, but in, in the respect that I think my work is is becoming very successful in, in, on an art level, I, I honestly create three page stories, tell a page and three stories. That's the most nuts and bolts practical matter I could, I could assign. And then the other practical matter that I think is ugly and I hate it and it makes me resentful and I want to scream at the heavens is be a social person. Hmm. Interact, interact with your, interact with your peers in a respectful way. Uh, be interested in their work in a genuine way that doesn't make them suspect you. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, uh, support each other as much as possible, and these are things that I can assure any aspiring creator are important because I have failed to do them completely, and I feel that I, I am somewhat behind where I should be because of that. Something I take full accountability for. So, uh, create. And that you work. actually
0: wrote about—you actually wrote about that some in the back matter of one of your first comics. I thought that was a really interesting essay. Yeah, I, the, I'm. I'm glad one that one that's one of the more helpful yeah, definitely one of the more helpful back matters I've seen in the comics. So, so pray, praise Thanks. for having done that.
1: Yeah. Well, it's, it's something in comics that kind of frustrates me is, uh, and, and it might frustrate you on a different level, right? Like, because you guys have a lens that you apply to comics that you are interested in, in, the, in the, uh, the responsibility of comics, something that you and I should talk about in a different context sometime, but, but the responsibility and the politics. So you probably hate when creators circle the wagon around, for example, uh, bad behavior, right? Like mm-hmm. they, 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 circle, yeah. they circle the wagon, and, and, and that, that probably disgusts you, and, and I, I, we can talk about that all day. But <laughs> I, I, am, I am disgusted by people circling the wagon around bad work, Mm, uh that sure. I I I I really do. I I hate that as much as you do that's we we understand that that's an ugly ugly fucking you know that pardon me that's a that's a you know that's like a uh, that blue shield sort of thing where you know what I mean where you, you just you just kind of somebody's in your field so you're you're defending them for a reason to or go against your mind go against your conscience uh go against your heart and that's all ugly but when people just def- like when people circle the wagons around bad work there's something that just, I'm so rankled by that. <laughs> and uh, I don't think we should be out here tearing each other down, but it's so, okay. I'm, I know you guys want to wrap up, and I apologize for for just jabbing, jabbing, jabbing. But uh, how do you guys feel about these, these comic book gossip sites?
0: Oh, God. I mean, we hate, well, I I not There's one shall not uh, be named. Yeah, the six shall not be named not is fucked up, and people shouldn't give them interviews, and every now and then, smart people write for them, and it breaks my heart. Okay, so I have a different perspective.
1: I see everything that is gross and ugly about any sort of gossip site. However, I I also see it as a sign of a healthy industry. And, and And when those sites go away, we are going to think about that in a way. We're going to say, oh, like, the fact that Literary, li, okay, <laughs> literary, literary criticism comes best from other writers. That's a thing that we've seen time and time again. It used to be that you could be a no, that novelists. I mean, they still do, but but it, much more of a phenomenon. Particularly in the '70s, you could just look. It was novelists of note
0: critiquing other
1: novelists in magazines of the day,
0: yeah. giving their reviews some of the better work. Absolutely, yeah. yeah.
1: And that, to me, the fact that we can't do that is a sign of an unhealthy art. I, I oh, don't well, think that's we're in certainly
0: not my complaint about it. I am more than fine with people writing behind people's backs about why X, Y, and Z's art is a failure, especially when there aren't enough critical analysis in the in the websites that get all the specials from the from the from the big publishers. You know. Um, oh yeah. There's um, no definitely an issue. No, no, no that's not yeah that's on. not my that's not my critique of the of, of the site at all, but I also generally don't find that there's a whole lot of critical analysis around things like why a certain work is bad as art or bad as a social document um in those places not necessarily either, but you know there are sites that are doing great stuff like ours thank you very much um but, <laughs> But anyway, I do want to thank you again for coming on and, uh, and, and for joining us on this because, like I said, you know, we've both really enjoyed the work here. Um, i definitely got to get Maria on sometime to talk about the art because the visuals on There's Nothing There are fantastic. Um, yeah, and can you, let, uh, can you let our listeners so know great. where the best place to find you on the Internet is?
1: Uh, you can reach me at my name on Twitter. Uh, it's also my email at Gmail. It's just Patrick Kinsman. That's K-I-N-D-L-O-N. Uh, you can reach Maria at her Twitter handle, which I believe has an underscore. So I'm, I apologize. I'm, I'm not going to say it to mess it up because I don't know where the underscore goes. Um, but uh, you can reach, uh, you can reach either of us there. We're, we're, we're happy to engage with uh, most conversations. And, and Will, you should get Maria on because a secret about her is that her English is definitely better than mine. So uh, because I, because I think there's so much talent coming out of Europe right now, like that is not maybe getting recognized by the, by the Belgians and and the French and and, uh, like, like there's some beautiful, like, you know, like Croatian artists. There's some great uh, Spanish artists and they're not, you know, they have names there, but they're not breaking through in a way that I think they should. And I, so I aspire to work with them and I was so glad Maria did, but, I was concerned. Oh, I wonder. I wonder. English is not her first language. I wonder how, and she she speaks it better than I do. So you could definitely oh, I know. definitely people pin know. People so down. humble
0: about that. People are so humble about. Oh, my English isn't good. Usually means like I speak English extremely well. So yeah, no, I know people can <laughs> still so conscious about that. <laughs> when I say my Spanish is uh, terrible, but, uh, it really is, and people don't believe me, but they humor me. But but yeah, I, uh, cool. I'd like to thank you both.
1: Thank you both for having me on. I apologize. I, I tend to be long-winded, and if I talked over anybody, then then that's my bad. I, I it's a it's a as I mature as a human being, I'm I'm doing my best. <laughs> but thank you so much.
0: Absolutely, no, thank you for appreciate doing Appreciate
1: it, Dan. Thank you. I hope to speak soon.
0: Yeah, Likewise. definitely. So before we wrap, um, just to let folks know what's up next on Wednesday, that is the 21st of June. I'm hosting the next Pop Politics at Twitter Conversation, which is a tweet chat at uh, 9 p.m. Eastern um, that will be about Wonder Woman, specifically the movie. I'm being joined by Cher from Sci-Fi Girls, uh, from the Sci-Fi Network's Blaster uh, website. She runs the women's page, which is freaking awesome. Um, And she started a really cool fundraiser actually coming out of the Wonder Woman movie which we'll hear more about and uh, is one of the reasons why I wanted to invite her on. Also joined by Caitlin Roseberg from um, the AV, onion AV club, who's really done some fantastic writing about women and comics and geek culture and representation. And then an Anita Jackson who works for a feminist conversation called moms rising. That is like a really interesting organization that does online and offline activism um, that supports working families and low-income families and moms and folks who support moms. <laughs> and um, and uh, so the three of them will be joining me for a chat on Twitter on Wednesday about the movie. You can look at hashtag poppoliticschat on Twitter to find out more about that. Um, and we'll be tweeting out another link to it as well. But basically, we want to have fans and activists come on Twitter, have a discussion about the significance of the movie and what activists can learn from it, uh, as well as ways that people who support social change can use the movie to further our causes. (laughs) Um, Because I think that there's a lot of untapped power that we can have coming out of the movie. And there already are fans doing cool things with the movie in their activism, and we'll tell you more about that at the time. So that's Wednesday, hashtag PopPoliticsChat. And if you miss it, you can always join in the conversation later. And then next week um, we'll be back with uh, Melanie Gilman, who writes as the fro the as the fro cries no, as the crow flies, which is a really beautiful um, graphic novel that's coming out soon. And they also write the awesome Steven Universe comic. And Brett, what what's new at Graphic Policy other than a panning review of Transformers the movie? <laughs>
2: I'm expecting multiples of those. Uh, we've got a, <laughs> a, a, new crea- a new contributor who's already has uh, two awesome pieces up. The first one was uh, a really interesting take on, on Cars 3 that folks should go check out. Uh, you might laugh at it, but uh, he has a a wonderful take uh, that actually gets me to want to see the film. And I've never seen a Cars film in my life. Uh, and another, a little about the recent uh, baseball game between the Democrats and the Republicans that uh, is a a rather interesting, reflective pieces as well, uh, and we've got more people showing up too. Plus, uh, this week we'll have coverage of AwesomeCon. I believe we should have some HeroesCon coming up, and our, our usual like reviews, interviews, and all that fun stuff. So, uh, folks, check that out every single day at GraphicPolicy.com because there's always something new. And uh, if you don't want to go and check a website all the time, you can follow us at Uh, Graphic policy on Twitter and Facebook and Tumblr and YouTube, and pretty much if it exists, there's a graphic policy on there. We keep it nice and And, consistent.
0: And I'm on Twitter all the goddamn time at (laughs) E-L-A-N-A underscore Brooklyn.
2: Uh, Yeah. yeah. And, uh, And for those who want to listen to the show, came in late like myself and uh want to listen again or share it with other folks it'll be up on itunes and stitcher in probably like an hour or two and then it'll also be on soundcloud tomorrow and posted to our site so you can catch it there uh as always thank you so much for listening until next time i'm brett i'm ilana keep it geeky